0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Solskjaer has won the European Cup for Manchester United. It's absolutely astonishing.
1: The double is definitely Manchester United's. Well, for Ronaldo to think about it. Oh! Absolutely sensational. It's red in Russia. This English night in Europe is Manchester United's night
0: three games in one week and Manchester United fans are left having not seen a win including those who travel 3,000 miles to minus 15 degree Nur Sultan in Kazakhstan to see the kids play against Astana so 3-3 draw against Sheffield United which we spoke about last time 2-1 loss to Astana and then a 2-2 home draw to Aston Villa we're talking about two of those most recent games as well as our regular extended youth loan and women's roundup before previewing two difficult games first on Wednesday against Tottenham Hotspur and then a Saturday evening kickoff against Manchester City that's all Series 5, episode 17 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Marcus Rashford, right at the end! Oh, yes! Jack, it seems now, and uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had a little period where the pressure kind of fell off his shoulders a little bit and he finally got some relief in what has been a a difficult few months as manager of Manchester United and suddenly these three results leave him very much under a huge amount of pressure and we said after the sacking of Pochettino at Tottenham Hotspur that things would would start to, to look worrying for Oregon and Solskjaer if losses continued and they have. And the the enticing nature of of Mauricio Pochettino's availability means a lot of fans of Manchester United are now keen to see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sacked and Pochettino brought in immediately. Yeah, I
1: remember a couple of weeks ago when we had one good week where we had three wins in a row, and we said it's crazy how much a week can change the way that the atmosphere around the club. And but also the fact that not much of of any substance had really changed for United. And I think this week has has shown that again in the opposite direction because within the space of a week we came back from the international break feeling pretty positive and i think most people were in a relatively good mood after a decent spell for united and that has all pretty much completely gone away now and again it it just goes back to that point that we made a few weeks ago that despite the sort of upturn in results not too much had actually changed for united there was very much continuity in the way that we were performing and the problems that we were having and it wasn't actually going to be sustainable to be able to keep picking up those results if we didn't improve the way we were playing. And that has just been shown this week. I mean, two crazy draws against Aston Villa and Sheffield United, both of which we can definitely take a few positives from, but overall not good, not good performances. And then Astana, I mean, something of a, a, a game you can't really take much out of just because we were playing so many Academy players, but it's still not a good look to be going out to Kazakhstan and not being able to beat the Kazakhstan champions. So, not a good week for United, not a good week for Solskjaer and as a Sky Sports article suggested earlier this morning, the figure of Pochettino looms large over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the moment. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think before we talk specifically about some of the the features of, of the draw against Aston Villa and the the loss to Astana, I think it's worth talking about, about Solskjaer and Pochettino before that. I'm still very much in the thinking of, of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not necessarily the right man for Manchester United but is not the individual that should be blamed here and although there is certainly some huge weaknesses to his management is not shouldn't be the focus of of united fans frustrations um and that leads me to think that he shouldn't be sacked and that uh, to be honest i think sacking a manager again is, is pretty futile now <laughs> that is not to say i think any of this form is is acceptable i think four wins from 14 games is pretty disgraceful from any manager forgetting their their status at the club from the past forgetting what they've done off the pitch forgetting the small cultural improvements they're making it's not good enough and, and results have to improve to an, a certain extent if Solskjaer is to keep his job but at the same time I feel that once Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is gone Pochettino will simply be another manager working in a circle of, of underperformance, failure and underachievement. It's a, a collective problem at United. Those at the top, right down to the players and coaching staff. And the club is is fundamentally broken from top to bottom. Van Gaal couldn't fix it. Mourinho couldn't fix it. Solskjaer hasn't fixed it. And I don't think, I'm not confident that Pochettino or any other manager in the world could. So n- no manager will fix this unless the, the management structure at, at the top changes. And that's why... I won't join what is now a large proportion of the fan base in saying that Solskjaer has to leave.
1: I think for me, the the decision comes down more to who would be replacing Solskjaer than actually getting rid of him, because I don't think Solskjaer is either the problem or the solution here. I don't think he is the the main driver of a a lot of what's going on at United at the moment. He is not the person that is causing a lot of the issues that we have. That is fundamentally down to a squad that is lacking in quality, that is lacking in depth, and... A club that, as you say, is fundamentally rotten to the core in in the backroom staff. However, for me, I think the opportunity to to have Mauricio Pochettino come in as manager is too good for us to pass up. We talked about this over the summer, and we both said that you know Pochettino being available would be enough for us to say, well, he's a good enough manager for us to kind of drop everything and go after him. And for me, that hasn't changed. And I I, I take the point that. No, this, this is a club that has so many issues in the, in the back and sorry in the backroom staff, and so many issues that have been there for so long and haven't been solved by four or five different managers. Now, I think the one thing I would say is look at what Pochettino did at Spurs because Spurs was a club. It's easy to forget this now because they they're known now as one of the best run clubs in the league. Daniel Levy runs such a tight ship, but they were a, a club of perennial underperformers that had every single year promise coming through their squad and and it, it never ended up coming to fruition. And I just think for me, Pochettino managed to change all of that. He managed to make Spurs into a club that had ambitions going forward. He got the board on side. Obviously, that takes some buy-in from the board as well. But I think for me, if I would back any manager to try and turn this club around, it would be Pochettino. And so I think we go after him. As, as I mentioned last time, I think for me, the ideal situation would be stick with Oli until the end of the season and give bring Pochettino in at the end of this year. But Pochettino seems like he would like to return to management very quickly. And I just don't think we can pass up the opportunity to bring him in because I think he's that good of a manager.
0: I, I get the point about Spurs, but they might not have been a successful football club, but they were still well run. You look at the, the fees they got for for Luka Modric, Michael Carrick, Dimitar Berbatov for, for United, but also Modric to Real Madrid, Gareth Bale to Real Madrid. This was a club that got the most out of its good players. And yeah, they, they were pretty much a, a selling club and they weren't a, a top 4 club and Pochettino changed them into um consistent players in in the UEFA Champions League a team that eventually reached the Champions League final and, and obviously he's, he had a massive impact there the the club that he joined at, at Tottenham Hotspur isn't the same as as United right now United is is run by non football people Daniel Levy was was running Spurs long before Pochettino came in and and for, for however many Spurs fans are frustrated by certain things that he does, including not giving enough money in, in certain transfer windows and, and some other things and the sacking of certain managers, the appointment of certain managers. But he's still a, a football man who who understands what is necessary to run a, a, a football club. And he's done that very well. Whereas Ed Woodward is, is clearly not fit for the job. United's owners clearly aren't interested in... Maybe they're interested, but they're clearly not driven by what happens on, on the football pitch. So... Th- they're very different clubs and I, I've got no faith, having seen Jose Marino, arguably the best or second best or third best manager in the last two decades, fail at United, having seen Louis van Gaal again in that top 10 managers of the last two or three decades fail at United and then David Moyes too, who was a, a similar cut to Sir Alex Ferguson was the idea, he failed as well. This is a, a club where great managers have failed, great players have failed as well and so I, I, I cannot foresee a situation where things stay as they are at United and you replace social with Pochettino and suddenly, not suddenly things have changed, but even over the course of two or three years, I don't think things are going to change. I think within 12 or 18 months, fans will be saying the same thing about Pochettino and, and journalists and the media will be saying, oh, well, Spurs was, was his peak, he's passed it now, as they did with Mourinho at United and Van Halen at United.
1: But for for me, I just think that... Even if nothing does change in the backroom staff, which it needs to for us to to move to go anywhere, I I back Pochettino to at least make this team into something watchable and something approaching a little bit of success. I, I mean, ask you now, how how much better do you think Spurs' squad was than ours last season in terms of a, a balanced
0: squad? Quite a lot. The, the players well they've got a, a world class striker in Harry Kane they've got a decent defence they've got fullbacks who can do a job for most Premier League sides and they've got a midfield which they, they reinforce and that was probably their weakest area but they also they, they, you've got Harry Kane as a world class striker Christian Eriksen who last season certainly was, was playing pretty well until up to a certain point and then an, an actual defence so I think United's squad certainly has some better players in it Paul Pogba is better than any Spurs midfielder yep. Marcus Rashford is, is a brilliant attacker but as an actual balanced squad, Spurs, Tottenham's squad was better than ours. I
1: agree I agree. it was better than ours, but I think outside of Harry Kane, which was, I think was the difference maker for them so many times, I don't think there was that much better quality in Spurs, and they definitely had did not have a be- better depth than we did. The depth in, in our squad was arguably better than Spurs. Yeah. The quality of that depth is questionable, yeah, but okay, yeah. I think for me, even if nothing changed in the backroom staff, I would at least back Pochettino... To, to make this squad into something watchable and something that would have a little bit of success. I'm not saying he's going to get us to the Champions League final because ultimately Spurs' strongest eleven was was better than ours last season. But I think my point is, not just last season, but even before that, Pochettino had a, had a squad that was improving, that was being maximised every single week pretty much based on relatively similar players to us. As I said, with with the exception being that Harry Kane was a difference maker for them and we don't have a world-class striker like that. But I just think, for me, I'd much rather see Pochettino come in, make some progress for us, which I think he would, even if nothing does change in the background style. I think if you gave Pochettino this group of players, we'd be playing at a much better level than we are with Solskjaer.
0: No, I I, I agree with that. I think, I think Pochettino right now, if he's United manager, would, would be doing would be getting better results but I'm not convinced that that wouldn't just be the the bounce period the the honeymoon period of a new yeah, manager because I I think Pochettino will probably make United finish in the top 6 or 7 this season. I think he would rescue this season to a certain extent. And I'm I'm not saying that United can write off seasons because they can't really afford to do that. We've done that for the last 5 years. But I don't see the point of continuing this cycle of 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 sacking managers. Who, apart from Solsha, are clearly really good managers. Now, Solsha, a lot of people aren't convinced. I'm not convinced, but I think that he's doing the right things. He's, he's ridding the dressing room of of the the influences that have been having a negative impact on on the rest of the players at United and the club, and he's he's getting rid of certain players who are clearly deadwood. He's getting rid of players who don't fit his style. He's signing players who who clearly do fit that style, and he's signing them. At, at the right times. What he's not doing is signing six or seven players in a transfer window, getting rid of seven or eight players in a transfer window, which he would do if the the structure of the of the management at the very top of the club was acceptable for a club the size of Manchester United. So I think Pochettino would come in and instantly be faced with the same problems as Mourinho, who was told he couldn't sign Harry Maguire for seventy five million, only for Solskjaer to be able to sign him for eighty million the next summer of of Louis Van Gaal, who kind of rejected the 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 targets that David Moyes had, had searched for in, in Tony Cruz and Thiago, and then went searching for someone else. And there's no consistency in in the managers that United appoint. There's no consistency in the players they sign. And I know it's it's what everyone said for for many years. And I know that some people will say, some listeners will say, well, why wasn't Jose Mourinho? Why wasn't Louis Van Gaal afforded the same excuses along in the Solskjaer And the point is. Because we've seen them fail now. And I think that means you've got to understand that we've we've reached a point where it's impossible to ignore that the failings of United can't be put on the, the manager's shoulders all the time. No, I
1: definitely agree that you know seeing those managers fail and managers that came with such big reputations has made the fan base more forgiving. But I think for me, the other side of that, personally, I do think that Solskjaer has been given a much longer rope than any of those other managers would have. Even if they'd have come in in this situation... And I think partly for good reason, in that the expectations on social were far lower when he came in, simply because of how how far we'd fallen when he was appointed, and the fact that I don't think people really expected him to, you know, rejuvenate us completely. Whereas there was that expectation with Mourinho, Mourinho and Van Gaal. But I think for me, the problem is partly that. Solskjaer says all the right things, and I just don't really see the progress being made. I'm sorry, I just don't. I think I get your point about the signings that were made last summer being successful, and that is a very big part of this. Don't get me wrong, I think all credit to Solskjaer for making those signings because they've all worked out very well. But for me, you know, his interview after the Villa game, we have to get better at protecting leads. Well, yes, we've been saying that all season, and he pointed it out, out himself that it's now six or seven times times this season that we've given away a lead. But the problem is, you can't just keep saying the same thing every week about, you know, oh how much he loves the football club, or how much he wants to change the culture, or how much he wants to start protecting Leeds better. At a certain point, we have to start seeing some actual changes. And and I'm sorry, outside of getting rid of a couple of players, which wasn't really enough over the summer, there, there just hasn't really been any progress that I've seen that makes me forgiving for the results that are happening at the moment. I think I'm getting towards the end of the point where I can say that I'm accepting what's happening. Now, as I said, I'm not saying I don't think Solskjaer should be got rid of just for the sake of it. I think it should only happen if we have a very good manager to a point and a succession plan that actually makes sense. Obviously, I don't really trust the board to put in an actual long-term plan. But I think the the, the extra quality that we would get in management from, Pochett, from Solskjaer to Pochettino... For me, makes that worth it because I just don't see this team going anywhere at the moment. It's the same problems every single week. As soon as we scored against Villa, it would sit back within two minutes; they'd equalised, and you know you could just see the pattern of the game going exactly the same way every single week. And if if that's changing the culture, then I'm sorry, I I just don't I just don't think that is. It's if we're making the same mistakes every week with the same players, that's not changing the culture. It's just doing it's just bad coaching at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I I think I think this team are clearly being coached pretty poorly. That we haven't seen an improvement in their in the things that have kind of plagued this United side over the last three managers. But that that's the point is that these problems have pervaded United's culture and playing style and results and performances for for longer than Olegan Osolski's been United manager. And yes, I think Pochettino would come into United and improve certain players. I think he'd improve the way the team performs on the pitch, and I think did he have the backing of of the board properly and a proper structure in place, then he might be the man who could win United the Premier League title in future, whereas I don't see that with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But I don't know how many more times we can go in this cycle of getting rid of a manager, seeing one come in, have a little boost, try to implement their own philosophy, fail because they're not being supported by the board and that there's too many players who have certain attitudes at this club that that just aren't acceptable and, and cause a negative influence on other players and then have to get rid of that manager again. There's no point. If the, if I was the United board, and you can say, well, they've made a mistake in giving Solskjaer the job in the first place, but they've got to have the guts to go through with this, get rid of the players who aren't doing their best for United, bring in the ones that are. But I don't have the faith in that, but I also see there's no point of bringing in Pochettino if they're not going to back him properly. And if and Edward was talking to United, we stand during a couple of weeks ago in the new issue said it's hard to get three hard enough to get three players done in a transfer window to get six or seven done is extremely difficult but and and he talks about a multi-year squad evolution or something but Atletico Madrid signed nine in the summer Inter Milan 11 Juventus 7 Real Madrid 8 Bayern Munich 6 RB Leipzig 7 PSG 9 Monaco 11 you could go through all all of the clubs the top clubs around Europe and they sign a lot of players each summer and the reason that is is because they have to evolve their squad. And if Woodward's talking about a multi-year squad evolution or whatever, he's been in charge of that, not Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And Mauricio Pochettino wouldn't be in charge of that either. So the failings are not going to stop just because United bring in a new manager.
1: No, and that's a very fair point. You know, it's Ultimately, I don't think any manager would come in and be able to fix all these issues on their own because they run far deeper than that. I think at the end of the day... And I also don't want to don't want to admit this. I think I'm almost getting to a point where is is the board ever going to change, at least in the near future? And at some point, do we have to take a, a sort of a more re- realistic approach to this to say, well, we try and work around what the board are doing and bring in whoever we think is going to be the best in terms of maximising what we do have? Because the problem is, you know, I think if any manager was going to change something within the structure of the club, it would have been Solskjaer as this outsider who has all the history, has all the fans on his side. And ultimately, not much has changed, especially in terms of what goes on behind the scenes. And so, I think my worry is: can it? Will will that change ever happen? And that's quite a sad thing for me to say. At least not in the short term. I, I'm not sure it will.
0: Yeah, yeah. I accept that. Basically, the point is, I'm not quite sure what I would do if I was in charge of United. Well, I'm sure about certain things I would do, but with regards to Solskjaer and Pochettino, I'm not quite sure. But I'm not convinced that. The, the people at the top of the club have changed well I, in fact i'm I'm convinced that they haven't changed, and I'm not convinced that Pochettino would fix things at united i'm also not convinced that social will change things at united, but he is i think he is the best person to neutralize the impact or well, not neutralize go some way to to outweighing the impact of the inabilities of the people at the top of the football club because of the things that he he knows and the things that he does. At Manchester United, and I think Pochettino could also do that. But what's the point of of stopping what Solskjaer's doing already? It's been 11 months, and yeah, standards have dropped. But why would they not? They, they it's a, an inevitable consequence of of the failings of the people at the top. We should talk about the, the actual Aston Villa. Yeah, games. I think
1: I think ultimately we're we're making pretty much the same point here, is that and that the manager is not whoever it is, is going to be able to change everything in yeah. the club. We just kinda of come to different conclusions about how we think we should deal yeah. with
0: it. Yeah. Right. Let's let's talk a little bit specifically about the Aston Villa game. Um and this this will link back into what we've just been talking about, but the the jury is still out on Scott McTominay for some people. Paul Bob is clearly underperformed and yet still the 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 giant chasm between those two and Fred and Andreas Pereira is enormous. You don't know what you're going to get each game with Fred and Pereira, but normally it's a poor performance and costs United games. And, and people can say, well, some people are praising Fred in the last few weeks, some people are praising Pereira, but we, I I said this, I think we both said this at the time, is that they were still making so many mistakes, even when United were winning. So when United are under the cost, their inability to keep the ball, inability to create and, and dominate midfield is going to lose United games.
1: Yeah, and we said at the time, That You know, fair point. They have made a bit of an improvement and they have in the last four or five weeks. They had been playing better, but it's worth remembering that they were starting from a very, very low bar that they were trying to improve from. You know, it's not, you know, them improving was becoming below average Manchester United players instead of terrible Manchester United players. It's not like they were becoming midfielders we could rely on. And Aston Villa wasn't a particularly good game for either of them. There was one nice moment from Fred at the start of the first half where he managed to uh, spring spring an attack from the right-hand side. But apart from that, very, very little being offered by either of them throughout the game. And again, it's it's, this whole thing. If you're playing a two-man midfield, especially if it's Fred and Pereira, then the the problem with them is they don't really offer us much in either either sense going forward or in defence. I tweeted about this during the game that if you're playing a two-man midfield of Fred and Pereira... They aren't good enough defensively to cover the ground like like McTominay does and actually offer the defence any kind of cover. So we're then vulnerable on the counter-attack and they don't even make up for that like someone like Pogba does who can kind of get away with being lax defensively sometimes because he is so good going forward. Fren and Pereira don't offer us anything like that. Maybe once every five or six games they'll pop up with one good moment that leads to a chance. And that isn't good enough when they offer us so little defensively.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think their, their weakness is is making the defence look a lot worse than it actually is. I think the defence has, has a long way to improve. There's, there's no doubt about that. But Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof are both getting enormous amounts of criticism for this game and for the Sheffield United game. And I think they should have done better for pretty much every goal. I think United's defence has switched off too much, but they are dealing with so much because the midfield either can't stop Villa or Sheffield United's attacks or they're giving them, they're gifting them possession allowing them to attack to get back into games that they weren't really in um, at that point and forcing the defence to to deal with so much that at some point there's going to be a lapse in concentration. Now I understand that people are disappointed with the recent performances of 30 million Lindelof, 80 million Maguire. I get that, but I think it, it kind of comes down to the the poor midfield. And this is one of Solskjaer's mistakes. Why is he continuing to start a, a two-man midfield, particularly with Juan Mata in front of them against Aston Villa, who have a, a really strong midfield of Hurahan, um Louise, and, and John McGinn? Why is he doing that? But then also Fred and Pereira after after very good performances from from Levitt and, and Garner in against Astana and in other games for James Garner as well. So it's it's a mistake from Solskjaer but also that's why the defence is probably playing so badly at the moment. Yeah, i
1: I feel sorry, honestly for Solskjaer here because he I I feel sorry for him and, and I would be critical of him. I feel sorry for him because he does have a lack of options. I think it's important that we recognise that, you know, with Pogba and McTominay out who have been mainstays of this side for the last year he is very very limited in his options. So I think it's let, let's get that out there and make sure I I say that before kind of preface what I'm going to say with that. However, Solskjaer is making the problem worse by only playing a two man midfield. I I completely take the point that if he played a three man midfield, the third player would not be any better, maybe even worse than Fred or Pereira. I understand that. However, if 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 you have a weakness in a certain area, you don't only put two players in in that area because then you're just exposing yourself to it. And not only did Aston Villa have an extra man in midfield at uh, the weekend, they probably also had all of their players probably better than the two that we had as well. And in, was it Grealish, Louise and, and McGinn all were far more influential in the game than Fred and Pereira were. So why, why not play a three-man midfield, take the extra man out of attack... Because that, that's what had been working for us when we went to three at the back, was playing this sort of 3-5-2 formation, having three men in the centre of midfield, albeit with Scott McTominay in there. But, you know, put Dylan Lillard, put James Garner in there and just see if they make a difference. Because ultimately, having that extra body is going to help us so much, even if they don't contribute a huge amount, just having that extra person in there to clog up the game and break things up when Aston Villa were trying to counter-attack.
0: Well, also, these are these are two really big talents in United's midfield. Levitt and Garner have have shown that they deserve a first team chance. They were given it against star, and I thought they were probably the two best players on the pitch alongside Ethan Laird at right back. Um, And and they deserve to come in. They can certainly, they they need to be given that chance to show that they can be better than Fred and Pereira because there's no guaranteeing that they are. You can never have that with a young player. But having watched them plenty of times over the last two or three, four years, I would predict that they'd be better than one of them, Pereira. And probably as good as Fred. So Solskjaer will kind of now be saved by the return of McTominay and Pogba coming in the next one, two, three games. Uh, Perhaps both of them will be back for City. You've got got to hope so. But were he not, he's got to start. If, if, If McTominay's back for Spurs, and we're kind of previewing the Spurs game already, but if McTominay is back for Spurs then you've got to start McTominay, Fred and uh, Dylan Levitt because Levitt will be the one who can actually create something, play through the lines. If Pogba's back and McTominay's not, then you play Fred, Pogba and Garner because then Garner can sit back a bit more and, and control things a bit more while Pogba goes forward. So you've got two options there. two Garner and Levitt, two midfielders who are different, who have played together. That's how how differing they are in their styles. And you can bring either of them in. Now, the other massive weakness is you, is you see Dan James is, is still playing really well, still rinsing his defenders, skinning defenders, going past them, getting decent crosses into the box. His final ball's not always there, but normally it's a, it's an OK cross and <laughs> there's no one there to to tap it in. And this goes that uh, Marcus Rashford has improved this in his game a little over this season, but it's still quite late arriving into the box. Anthony Martial is, is never there.
1: There were at least three occasions that I can remember just off the top of my head when Dan James got into some brilliant positions against Aston Villa, and, and there was one by Wan-Bissaka as well, where they put in very good crosses across the front of the, of, uh, the Villa defence, and there was just absolutely no one there. One of them even happened right at the end of the game, where I think it was Dan James, was in down the right, puts in a great cross, absolutely nobody anywhere near the box, and in the end we got lucky to get a corner, because the Aston Villa fullback put it out, uh, not knowing who was behind him. And, it, you know... That This was the 91st minute at 2-2 in a game with Aston Villa. And we've got absolutely no one in the box for any of these crosses. And again, it, it, it's partly down to coaching because clearly that isn't being emphasised enough. And it, But also it's something that's being, been a problem for especially Anthony Martial throughout his United career. Is that we just don't see him as a, a natural number nine. He isn't a natural goal scorer, I don't think, other than when he has space and he can turn and run at people. I do think he is better in the, through the middle than Rashford is, but ultimately he, he isn't a, a clinical finisher. He doesn't really have the I don't know if it's the the awareness or, or just the kind of the football IQ, whatever whatever it is, he doesn't have that ability to understand where he needs to be when crosses are coming into the box, um, and I, that cost us a lot because Dan James and the one from Wan Bissaka that I can remember were putting in some brilliant crosses, and so many times we we had absolutely no one. Running across the front of the Villa defence, the the man to kind of think of in this situation is Giroud. For all his for all his failures, the one thing Olivier Giroud is brilliant at is making that run across the front post when the cross is coming low and hard, and he scores so many of his goals that way. And we have absolutely no one who's capable of making those runs on a consistent basis, and that's what we need when we have someone like Dan James who is going to get into positions where he can put in good good crosses.
0: No under-23s game since we last spoke to you which helped so many six to be precise to be given their debuts against Astana in the Europa League and a further four to travel with the team. The under-23s now play Tranmere Rovers on Wednesday in the EFL Trophy. Stupid scheduling from the tournament means that no United fans will be able to watch this and the first team game against Spurs. It's a shame because United will be bringing a, a number of away fans to Doncaster, Lincoln and elsewhere in the group stages um, and this game is at Tranmere's Printon Park so United fans probably won't be able to make that one. The under-18s had a pretty frenetic end-to-end match. West Brom beat them 5-3 at their training ground at the weekend. United's goals came from a Charlie McCann penalty and a double from Mark Helm who played well as did Hannibal Medjbry. United's defensive errors at this level are responsible for pretty regular defeats um, for the under-18s. A hectic game of football for Casey Stoney's Women's United side this weekend. The Reds went in front away at West Ham in the first minute, thanks to Hansen, but were quickly pegged back by West Ham's Vettelin. Lauren James grabbed what was seen as a winner in the 80th minute, before Barnack scored twice for West Ham, first in the 83rd and then in the 90th minute to give them a dramatic 3-2 win out of nowhere. Not only that, but West Ham's Keenan was sent off for the Irons in added time as well. Frantic, crazy and uh, and brilliant to watch. The women's team now play Everton on Sunday at 12pm. At home, at Lee Sports Village, just north of Manchester. Right, Spurs on Wednesday, City on Saturday. We were kind of, kind of talking about it before the the youth update and women's update. Um, Spurs on Wednesday is an interesting one. Mourinho is back. United under Solskjaer have, have done well against big teams, some massive results. But you'd imagine that Mourinho will. Come to Old Trafford and and not try to attack too much in order not to leave his side open. He he knows where the weaknesses in this United side are and it's against defensive teams who who sit deep. Um, as I was saying, one of Pogba and McTominay are, are probably going to be back for it. I doubt both will be. That's that's good news. Got to be a three-man midfield. We should see one of Levitt and Garner playing. I'd drop Andres Pereira, give him a rest because his confidence is going to be absolutely shot after another pretty poor performance. Um, but a massively important week. A lost to Spurs and City, and, and United could be near the rele- relegation zone or or even in it.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're very right that Mourinho will come and and just look to sit back and not and just try and soak up the pressure. I think he, if he leaves Old Trafford with a 0 nil draw, he'll be very very happy. I think. But this is a game that worries me because we don't play well against teams that sit back. And honestly, as much as we hated this tactic under Mourinho and the amount of despite the amount of fire he comes under for having this sort of. Park the bus mentality. I actually think at the moment it's a great tactic to take against Man United because we can't we can't break teams down when they sit back against us. We we just don't have any ideas and so I I think it could be a very long night of a lot of crosses coming into the box, a lot of to in and throwing. I agree in midfield. I'd bring in either Dylan Levitt or probably uh, Jimmy Garner. I think he deserves a start. I thought he played well against the Star, He's done nothing wrong in in the couple of cameos that he's had so far. And ultimately, he's not going to play any worse than, than the likes of Pereira have. And it will be much better to be able to get a sense of what we have in Jimmy Garner. We kind of know what Andres Pereira is. He's a known quantity at this point. Whereas Jimmy Garner might turn into something special. Who knows? If one of McTominay and Pogba come back, that would be huge for us. I honestly think if it's only one of them, and I can't really believe I'm saying this, I think I'd prefer it to be Scott McTominay. Um, just because I think Pogba needs McTominay next to him to, to function well, especially in big games, because he needs that extra protection. I think McTominay would come in and, and be able to add some some much needed bite to this midfield defensively to stop Spurs on the counter attack because that's where they're going to be dangerous with the likes of Son, Lucas Morafeed, and Harry Kane.
0: Yeah, I think I'm think i I'm not sure who I'd rather have back McTominay or Pob, but probably McTominay because I don't think there's another Scott McTominay at United at the moment. Um, and also because his injuries. Quite a small one. It was. It was only a, a brief time out on the sidelines. Whereas Podber has been out for for quite some yeah, months there's, now. There's
1: less. There's less chance of McTominay re-injuring himself. Yeah,
0: and also, yeah, last time Pobba came back, he, he got injured again in the in the game. He came back in against Rochdale, and also you may as well rest him for City, which is going to be a tough game where Pobba might be needed even more than against Spurs. To be honest, if this is the Wednesday after a Sunday game, you've then got City on the Saturday. I think Solskjaer's got to be brave here. Um, United's players have underperformed. Andreas Pereira shouldn't be in that side. If possible, you wouldn't have Fred in that side either. I think Dylan Levitt should start if McTominay's back alongside McTominay and Fred. Um, Levitt offers something else. If he's not going to go Levitt, then you've got no way can you put Juan Mato or Jesse Lingard in there, two players who have underperformed again. At least Lingard finally got on the score sheet for once. But no way you should have Lingard or Mato in there. I think he will play Lingard probably, but bring in Angel Gomez, who did okay against Astana, will have six or seven days rest can be a player who can actually create something, particularly if you've got Dylan Levitt as well, and then just put some faith in these young players. I'd also start Mason Greenwood against ahead of Anthony Martial, partly to rest him for the City game, but also because he's not been good enough against Sheffield United or um, Aston Villa. Greenwood is, is, is chomping at the bit. He scored against Sheffield United. He did well against Villa when he finally did come on. So start with, with Greenwood um, and and start with a couple of the kids in midfield because... What has Solskjaer got to lose at the moment, apart from his job?
1: No, absolutely. I think Greenwood especially is one that I would think deserves many 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 more opportunities than he's getting at the moment. I get that Martial and Rashford have been built up as the two main stars of this team and the two that we're going to be relying on. But especially in the case of Martial, he just hasn't been delivering. And Greenwood, the opportunities that he's had, has done very well. He scored some very important goals for us in the Europa League I think he deserves his chance more than anyone and I would love to see him start. I think he, he's earned that chance. I, I mean, I think, unfortunately, one of Lingard or Matter will play. I mean, Lingard's finally got his goal against Astana for, what was it, the first time since December, I think, last December, that is. Um, yeah. But I don't think he, he doesn't deserve to to start or be anywhere near the starting lineup really, but unfortunately, I think he will be. And I, I understand the sort of risk-averse nature of managers choosing teams and it's easy for us as fans to sit back and say well should be we picking this youth player and this youth player but I think at this point you're right Solskjaer doesn't have too much to lose all right I know he, he potentially has his job on the line but ultimately I don't think that job is very secure at the moment anyway and I think he should go all out try and blood some youngsters and, and inject some fresh energy into this team because that seems like what we need
0: yeah I I just think for, for people like me who are still on still backing Solskjaer and I will regardless of what he does over the next couple of games because I do think as as we've had this conversation already, but for for people who are still on board with Oregon and Solskjaer, and even for the ones who aren't, playing someone like Mason Greenwood in a big game against Perth, playing Dylan Levitt or Jimmy Garner or Angel Gomez, that's that's how you keep a set a certain group of the fans on board. And not only that, but it's important for the future of the club. It's also important for the the attitude of the players who are underperforming. It's important to give the kick up the arse to Andreas Pereira, Anthony Martial, whoever it is. Um, and at the same time, ahead of the City game, certain players need a rest, including Dan James, who United might have to just say, well, we're going to have to... Pause him for this game, play him against City, where whose whose defence is is shocking at the moment, um, and give Mason Greenwood a chance. So it, it'll be interesting to see what he does, but he, he's got to be brave with this. Um, I'm not going to ask you for, for a prediction because it'll be, um, too too gut wrenching to even try and think predict <laughs> what's going to happen in, in these two games given our form. Um, but uh, w- we should we should wrap things up there. If you haven't got anything else to say,
1: no, not particularly. I just I think this week is huge for Solskjaer. I think more so than the results, just the nature of the performances. I think even if we, if we, even if we were to lose both games, I think if we put up a good fight and actually put in some good, entertaining performances, it might be enough to, to keep Solskjaer's job and, and his standing with the fans. But I think if it's kind of total capitulation and we get dominated on both days, then I think it could be very tough for Solskjaer to sustain his position. Yeah,
0: I think uh, I'm, I'm not confident about these games, but I wouldn't be surprised to see United take a big result out of one of the two or possibly both of them. That's what Solskjaer's United have done, even in in spells where they've been rubbish, is a good performance against Liverpool, decent against Arsenal, very good against Chelsea um, in the League Cup. So something might come out of these games, and that's what you've yeah. got to hope for, a, li- a little bit of hope.
1: Weirdly, I'm actually more confident for the City game than the Spurs game, because I think City are vulnerable at the moment, as has been shown throughout the season. And I think the way that they'll play against us, and the fact that they'll, they'll come on to us and try and dominate the game, will actually suit us better than Spurs yeah. will.
0: Um, we'll see about that um, right for your thoughts on, on the Spurs game and the City game and throughout the week you can find Jack on Twitter at at T-A-I-T and you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTDWeeklyPod that's P-O-D at the end there thanks for listening as always hope you enjoyed the Manchester United weekly podcast if you are enjoying it then please leave us a review on iTunes or share it on Twitter have a great week try to enjoy United games and, um, goodbye